It is the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. I'm Eric G. Playing the fun game while recording the show this week uh, because I'm going to see if I can get the entire show or get through the entire show without the cleaning crew knocking on the door. Now, maybe you've heard it. Maybe you haven't. Go back through some of our other episodes that we've racked up throughout the months, and sometimes you can hear the cleaning crew come in. Most of the time, I just keep recording. I just go on with my train of thought. But now if they knock, I'm just going to stop because with the way that OU's playing defense, at this point, it's got to be more fun than talking about how bad they are. And since it is Bedlam, we'll talk about how good Oklahoma State is. We'll talk about Stuart Mandel finally jumping on the Mike Gundy bandwagon. And if you're just now jumping on the Mike Gundy bandwagon, where you been? Some of us have been on it for 11 years. We'll have a new feature today where I give you my picks for the upcoming Big 12 schedule, uh, which should be a lot of fun. And I always say go against my picks because that way you're in the money. And I'll even tell you why the Oklahoma program is at a very crucial state. And do not take these last two losses or butt kickings lightly. And why Joe C needs to be on high, high alert. But it is. Week, what are we now? Six of the college football season. So it's time for what did Eric get right? What did Eric get wrong? What I got right and have had right now for quite some time is that Spencer Sanders is undoubtedly the best quarterback in the Big 12. You can bring up Adrian Martinez. You can bring up Jalen Daniels all you want. You can't really talk about Hudson Card. You certainly can't talk Dylan Gabriel in this conversation. And after Saturday, there's no more Blake Shapin to discuss. No, Spencer Sanders is the best quarterback in the Big 12. The reason he is the best quarterback in the Big 12, one, we talk about this all the time, experience. He's got more experience at starter than anyone. Two, He's Oklahoma State's best running back, and you're seeing him use his legs, whether it's RPOs, called runs, whatever. Oklahoma State's making sure that they use him. His decision-making has gotten a whole lot better, and you saw it a couple of times on Saturday in that win over Baylor, that 36-25 win where there were times that Spencer Sanders instead of either taking a sack, would have forced up a pass, which would have not only been a pick, but usually been six going the other way for the other team, or would have been so determined to throw that instead of tucking and running, he would have fired on the run and it undoubtedly would have found uh, somebody else in, in the other color jersey. It didn't happen. It happened one time on Saturday. He threw one bad pass. It was intercepted. First pick of the year. And you just haven't seen him make those kind of mistakes. Not to mention that in the red zone, okay, along with Martinez and Daniels, there probably isn't anybody more dangerous in the Big 12 than Spencer Sanders. And Oklahoma State's got enough playmakers at receivers. Their running backs are good enough that when you're facing them in the red zone, there's a hell of a lot for a defense to count for. So Spencer Sanders, we were right. You are the best quarterback in the Big 12. Where Eric was wrong, OU's not a tough program. And this is probably the most shocking thing about the Sooners right now since Brent Venables took over is that the one complaint every OU fan has had with Lincoln Riley or had when Lincoln Riley was here was, you're not tough enough. 
you're good enough to outscore a lot of people and you're just good enough to get beat that when you play the Georgias and Alabamas and Clemson of the Worlds, you're going to be good enough to lose those games. You're not going to be able to out-tough them. Well, you bring in Brent Venables. And what was Brent Venables going to do? He was going to install a culture of toughness. But you're not tough when kids are closing their eyes and they're just lunging at people. They're not tackling. You're not tough when guys aren't getting off their blocks, going to find the ball. You're not tough when holes are getting open so wide that Adrian Martinez can cruise on a third and 16 uh, with a pickup of over 30 and ice a game for Kansas State. You're not tough when um, Max Duggan can essentially run for 60 yards on you. OU is not a tough program. And part of the problem with this is, and this goes back to not just Lincoln Riley, but anybody that runs the more spread finesse kind of offenses is that your defense doesn't get an opportunity to work against toughness every single day. And if you're Brent Venables, I don't know what personnel changes you can make right now because last week should have been the should have been the week where you were saying, hey, if you're not going to be tough, if you're not going to hit anyone, if you're not going to play the kind of football that we're we're going to play here at Oklahoma to win championships, I'm going to find somebody who can. And if you're doing that now on the week before Texas, then A, not only are you a week behind schedule, but B, you have to question if your second and third string guys want to hit people. It's very disheartening to think that coming up this Saturday against Texas, all Steve Sarkeesian has to do is hand the ball off to B. John Robinson and tell his offensive line, if you blow these guys off the ball and you do it early enough, they'll quit. They don't want any. They don't want this smoke. They don't want to play tough. We're just going to out-tough them. Every team that is facing OU from now until the end of the season, that's your game plan. You go and you out-tough them. Brent Venables, figure out a way to fix it now or you won't be around long enough to help rebuild this program. All right, where I was right, the Oklahoma State defense is really good. They're really good. One game against Central Michigan. And I had a guy coming up to me at a car dealership talking about how he was a prophet because Oklahoma State's secondary and linebackers weren't tackling. One game against Central Michigan, first game of the year, they don't look good. Ever since then, those guys have improved. Mason Cobb, you were a joy to watch on Saturday. No play in all of college football did I enjoy more watching than seeing Mason Cobb on that fourth and short come up to make a play off the edge, stopping the Baylor running back and preventing the Bears from getting a first down. Wow. I mean, as somebody who loves defense and loves the violence of football, despite what Colin Cowherd may say about we really don't love violence. No, I love the fact that football is a violent game. That's how I was raised by a father who was a football coach. That's what I've been taught that the game is. is It's a tough man physical game. Mason Cobb did just that. Hell, Mason Cobb ought to be coaching defense down in Norman. That was... It was such a thing of beauty that to see a guy not only play assignment defense, but a guy come in with speed and with and with physicality to make that kind of play 
in a way, it was a tone setter. You could kind of look and see Baylor. It's like, ah, oh, crap, we're in for it today. Yeah, you are. And we were always talking about Malcolm Rodriguez. Well, there were people, and I don't know why, why someone came to this conclusion that Malcolm Rodriguez was, A, the best player on OSU's defense last year, because he wasn't. It's Colin Oliver. It's still Colin Oliver. But to think that you couldn't replace them, no. Mike Gundy and that staff has done a great job, a great job of recruiting depth, a great job of developing depth on defense. And what amazes me is for a guy who was an offensive coach, who called plays, who was the offensive coordinator, he was able to realize in order to win at a higher level, you're going to have to concentrate more on defense. So he does his depth, he does his best to create depth along the defensive line. Guess what? They've got the best defensive line in the entire conference. And he's done his best to help get a culture of physicality within Oklahoma State. And it doesn't matter who the DC is, he knows what he's going to be looking for. And when Mason leaves, the next guy that comes in will be taught, hey, you got to teach these guys how to play physically sound. But or physically fundamentally sound football, right about the Oklahoma State defense. Where I was wrong, Dylan Gabriel's actually worse um, than what he was in the spring. And and after the spring, we had this thought that at best Dylan Gabriel was going to be an average quarterback or just a good college quarterback at OU and would probably be helped by the fact that you had better talent at OU than you did at UCF. But if you saw him play in the spring, you knew he had good but not great arm strength, and you knew he wasn't incredibly fast, or at least not as fast as um, some of the other OU quarterbacks, the OU quarterbacks that we've seen in the past. On the last two Saturdays, Dylan Gabriel can't even complete an intermediate throw. And if you're still on the Dylan Gabriel bandwagon, you're still defending this guy simply because he has an interlocking OU on his helmet. Or if you're, you know, we're in the camp of telling those of us that we were dead wrong, that this guy was going to be like Johnny Manziel or he wasn't going to be that far. uh, He wasn't that far behind the OU quarterback simply because you fell into that pattern of thinking that if OU gets him, he must be really good because OU only recruits really good players I'm not throwing anyone under the bus, but that's that's kind of on you because we told you just the opposite. In fact, we haven't seen Dylan Gabriel progress throughout the year. We've seen this guy regress, and it sucks that he got hurt, okay? It's it's terrible that he took that cheap shot in the TCU game, and now you're in a situation where Davis Bevel, uh, maybe your your starting quarterback at, at Oklahoma, and I think watching him play the first two games that instills zero confidence in you if, if you're an OU fan. But um, for Oklahoma, quarterback wise, they're as thin as they have probably been in the '90s. You probably have to go back to the '90s to think about the lack of quarterback depth that they've got, and it's probably worse than that because I would take the tandem of Eric Moore and Garrick McGee right now over what they have on campus. Um, with, with Dylan Gabriel, not only do you got to complete those intermediate passes, but you've also got to do a better job of pulling the ball down and running. All right, where I was right, and I understand that this is going to upset a lot of people 
Oklahoma State does have the best football program in the Big 12. Here's why Oklahoma State has the best football program in the Big 12. Um, Mike Gundy and his staff, we always talk about recruiting and development with Mike Gundy and his staff and their ability to, one, move quick, okay? And it's not that they won't go out and it's not that they won't recruit, you know, five-star or upper echelon athletes, but they're not going to waste their time if that kid is not going to take Oklahoma State seriously. They're going to go find someone else. And the types of guys that they get, the Trace Fords, the Colin Olivers, the Mason Cobbs, the Malcolm Rodriguez of the world, they get them on campus and they make them better. Being the best coach or being the best program isn't always about winning championships. In fact, that's not ultimately the way that you should be judged. The way that you should be judged if you run a really good program or a great program is... Are you getting the most out of your talent? And there's absolutely no question that Mike Gundy gets more out of his talent than anyone else in the conference. Gary Patterson, you know, now Sonny Dykes at TCU might have a claim to that. Lance Leipold at Kansas might say, hey, wait a second, look over here. But consistently over the last 17 years, Mike Gundy gets the most out of his talent. And you're like, well, why isn't he beating OU? Why isn't he winning conference championships? Because I will tell you, in the 17 years that Mike Gundy has been coach at Oklahoma State, only three times, including this year, can you ever say that he's had the better football team than OU? And only once can you ever say that he had the best, he had the best team in the conference. And guess what he did that year? He won the conference championship, should have played for the national championship, lost to Iowa State, but probably still should have got another crack at it. Probably would have done better against Alabama than LSU did. I'm not convinced that they wouldn't have beaten LSU in that game the more I think about it. Um, but this is why I always say Mike Gundy is the best at his job in the conference. And why I always said he was a better coach than Lincoln Riley is because Lincoln Riley never got the most out of his talent. If Lincoln Riley's getting the most out of his talent at OU, you're winning a national championship. But now looking back on it, I may have to change that statement because the situation that OU is in right now with that defense, this is what happens when for years defense and physicality isn't a priority in your program. And now you back that with the exodus and you don't have the talent to outscore people. This is what you get stuck with. This is why it's hard for, for Brent Venables to build a new culture there is because you don't have the talent or the players to build that new culture. But, yeah, I've always felt Mike Gundy got more out of his players than, than Lincoln Riley did. Lincoln Riley may have had better players, but I think Mike Gundy got more. And Mike Gundy and OSU right now, best program in the Big 12. All right? So that's what I got right. That's what I got wrong. Coming up next, why OU is at a more critical juncture than maybe you think? And don't take these losses that lightly. Thank you for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. I am Eric G. And wow, um, if you're still trying to recover from OU's butt kicking at the hands of TCU, that, uh, yeah, 55-24 tail kicking, I, I feel for you. Um, if you're my age, you had visions of the John Blake era. In fact, Anthony Fogle 
who was on this show last week, which I highly encourage you to go back and, and listen to that episode. Fogel was so great. Uh, such a generous guy, great with his time, had a lot of really good insight. But um, the first thing he did was he called me up on Sunday and he said, feel my pain. Feel my, I want everybody to know my pain from the 90s. This is what it was like. If you weren't around, then you know the crap that I went through now. And he's not wrong. Those guys, very underappreciated for the sacrifices that they made for Oklahoma. And maybe in a lot of ways, this team will, you know, not get the recognition they deserve for the sacrifices and everything to be built on. But OU is at its most critical juncture at any point in its program history. And no, that is not hyperbole. This is huge, okay? You have to remember, look, if Brent Venables was taking over a program that was going to remain in the Big 12, if you're Joe Stiglione, you could let this muddle along for the rest of the year. You could let it muddle along next year, probably the year after that. You you would say, he, hey, he gets a minimum of three. Gets a minimum of three years. That's fair enough to see if the program is taking the right turn. We're not going to force him to fire any of his coordinators, any of his assistants. You know, things were in a little worse shape than maybe we thought with you know, all these kids leaving through the transfer portal, we got hurt a little bit more. But but Brent deserves time to build a program. If you're staying in the Big 12, and I'd be the first one saying that, but you're not staying in the Big 12. You're going to the SEC. And you're going to the SEC with the intent not to compete with Mississippi State or Ole Miss or Arkansas or even Texas A&M. You're going into the SEC. Guns a-blazing, Bring on Bama, bring on Georgia. Let us prove to you why we are no worse than the third best program in America's best conference and why every year we're going to be a thorn in Alabama and Georgia's side and we're going to have a say in who wins the SEC championship. That's what Joe Castiglione is facing. And Joe Castiglione knows that he cannot let the program get in any worse shape than what it is now, or it may not recover. Okay, I didn't say may never recover, may not recover. And that's despite the fact that you've got an endless amount of people who are willing to write checks and build this thing up that will not let Oklahoma fail. And those people still exist, but... Even with those people writing checks, if your reputation is is that you're a soft, under-talented, 500 kind of program, you're not going to be able to sell yourself to the type of kids that that you need to, to sell yourself to in order to win. You're, you're not going to be able to get those Alabama-type kids. So Joe Castiglione has to keep a a tighter watch on the program now than he ever has at any point during his tenure at OU. And this isn't to alarm you. Look, I'm not saying fire Brent Venables. In fact, it wouldn't take you more than two minutes to go back and listen to some of these other shows to figure out that I thought Brent Venables was much better for the OU football program than Lincoln Riley was because of that toughness. Now, it's not there like I thought it was going to be. And so far, I have to say that I am wrong about Brent Venables versus Lincoln Riley because you thought OU was going to be a much more physical football team 
than what they've shown this year. And on one hand, if things don't improve, you're Joe Castiglione, you're in a situation where you're probably going to ask Brent Venables to fire Ted Roof, and that looks really bad to tell what will then be a second-year coach that he's got to already fire one of his coordinators. And if you're Brent Venables, you're probably not thinking about firing Jeff Levy yet. And if you do fire Jeff Levy, it's not because he's a bad offensive coordinator. He's not. But what you're doing, if you're if you're Brent Venables right now, your mindset has got to go back to that Kansas State game. And you have got to think, okay, we're going to need to out-physical people. We're going to have to adapt that mentality. We're going to have to go into the SEC thinking if we're not as talented as you, we're going to beat you up. That's the way Kansas State approaches games. And if you do that, you'll be successful in the SEC and you can build off that. But you're going to have to adopt that mentality. And if that means you've got to get rid of Jeff Levy in order to bring somebody in who can run that kind of offense, or you tell Jeff Levy, hey, look, you need to look at what Kendall Bryles is doing at Arkansas. You guys run the same offense, but he's running it a lot more. He's got better running backs. He's got a big physical quarterback. I need my defense every day to go against more physical competition in order for us as a program to grow and get ready. And that's taking a guy out of his comfort zone. It's taking him away from his philosophy. Can you do that if you're Brent Venables? And and the conversations with him and Joe C are going to have to be constant, not every week, not every day. But often enough, Joe has confidence and at least some idea of where the program's headed and that it's headed in the right direction. And if it's not, it's going to be easier to course correct now than letting it get two, three years down the road where you're a middle-of-the-pack Big 12 team with absolutely no chance of competing in the SEC and this grand plan is just getting blown out of the water. And if you're an Oklahoma State fan right now, yeah, by all means, have fun at OU fans' expense. Uh, We've earned it. We've earned it with all the SEC talk and, and, and not living up to the hype at this moment. Stuart Mandel, congratulations to you for finally uh, jumping on the Mike Gundy bandwagon. Um, he actually uh, tweeted out uh, that, you know, when are we going to quit? Uh, essentially, when are we going to, uh, what's he say? What's he? What did he say? I want to get this right. When are we going to learn to stop discounting Mike Gundy? Well, dude, some of us have been not discounting him for 11 years. Some of us understood what he was up against at Oklahoma State and why that job was so difficult. Now, some of us knew that he was fighting the administration. They weren't fighting with him. They were fighting against him. That they didn't put enough emphasis on football at Oklahoma State. And it was only because of Mike Gundy's recruiting and the development and the time that he put into that program and having enough to step away from calling the plays to let other guys doing it to putting more emphasis on defense. Again, we've already kind of talked about all this. We've we've seen Mike Gundy grow over the last few years. It took time. But unless you knew everything that he faced, people that he was fighting against, Boone Pickens, Mike Holder, you didn't know that Mike Gundy had an uphill climb. Not only are you having to deal with, with OU down to the south, which is historically one of the greatest programs in the history of college football, 
But you're also having to fight your own administration. That's tough. And what we're seeing now is a Mike Gundy who has the full support of the administration, and it's only going to get better from here. And now you're also going to see a Mike Gundy who doesn't have to worry about OU because OU is going to the Southeastern Conference. And whether they're successful or not, when you're out of their shadow, it's going to make things a lot easier for him to succeed at the kind of levels that that he is. If you're an Oklahoma State fan, you're about to enter the golden age of OSU football. You really are. If you thought things were good over these past couple of years, you haven't seen anything yet. And you have to trust that not only will Mike Gundy continue to put a good staff around him as as his guys get opportunity, but you've got you've got an administration that's going to pay assistance and going to make it tougher for them to leave. Okay, Mike Gundy has has fought for that. It's been too easy for Mike for his assistants to leave because they just, but it's, it wasn't just better opportunities, but it's better money at other places. Well, they're being competitive with salaries. Okay, they're competitive with facilities. I mean, you'll put Oklahoma State's up against just about anybody else's in, in the country. I mean, it, it's something you can definitely show off. You're doing stadium improvements, and to think that. You know, everybody likes to look at Boone Pickens and go, well, you know, you threw all this money in and you you built this stadium. Yeah, but at a certain point, it stopped. And you had an athletic director in Mike Holder who was way more concerned about golf than he ever was football. Now you've got Shrum, you've got Weiberg, you've got Gundy. That is a deadly threesome. And for Oklahoma State, you can't be more excited right now. This is is as maybe as good as it gets, um, at least right now, but I do think it's going to get better. So, yeah, you know, people shouldn't have doubted him. If people knew what he fought against, as opposed to, again, and I'll always compare him to Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley had the support of of people in the university. Lincoln Riley had the support of check writers. Lincoln Riley had the name Oklahoma, and the best the dude could do was win some conference championships and not get you over the hump to a national championship. Not the Oklahoma standard, okay? And, and Mike Gundy is not only leading, not only does he have a conference championship under his belt, a win over Notre Dame, and they're probably going to play for another conference championship this year unless something horrifically goes wrong, but you're looking at years and years of a Big 12 that's not going to be as good as it certainly was in years past where Oklahoma State, if not the dominant program in the Big 12, will certainly be no worse than one of the top three programs and top three football teams every year. All right, finally, uh, let's do Big 12 picks. Now, I always tell you, go against me on the Big 12 picks, okay? that's If you pick against me, you've got a great chance of winning, um, as proof with uh, our weekly locks on 97.1, the sports animal. So we'll start with Iowa State, K-State, interesting game. Down in Ames, Iowa State 0-2, Iowa State 0-2 in conference, desperately needing a win. K-State is a team that I bought stock in early in the year. I love them because they out-physical teams. Kansas State is a two-point favorite in this one. I don't feel like I can back off Chris Kleiman in in the purple and silver just yet, so I'll take K-State. I'll take TCU on the road, minus the seven, to get by Kansas, not because I want to. I am, like a lot of you, all on the Lance Leipold bandwagon. Uh, would love to see Lance Leipold stay at Kansas. By the way, news 
news out of Kansas is that they're going to do everything they can to keep Lance Leipold there. They don't want him leaving KU. And you know what happened the last time they got rid of a good football coach in Mark Mangino? They don't want to fall to those depths again. Apparently, they're talking Bill Self kind of money for Lance Leipold. So look out, Big 12. He could be around for a while. Uh, but I'll take Sonny Dykes in TCU coming off that win over Oklahoma. I like the way Max Duggan um, is playing. I don't think there's you know any reason to go to Chandler Morris at this point. Just keep running what you got. Um, OSU over Tech is pretty much a no-brainer. Um, OSU's a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, so I'll take them uh, minus the spread. And Texas minus seven over Oklahoma. I hate, hate picking this game because even when as bad as Oklahoma plays, you got to think it's Texas. They'll at least be up for it. I mean, Texas, when Texas sucked, they were always up for Oklahoma. Maybe Oklahoma can get up for Texas. Okay, well, the roughneck in me is never going to let me pick Texas, and I consider myself unbiased. So I'll go OU plus the seven on that one. So it's OU plus the seven, Oklahoma State minus the nine and a half, TCU minus the seven, and K-State minus the two. We'll see how I did Uh, coming up next week, and we'll make more picks. Thank you so much uh, for listening today. Um, I uh, greatly appreciate it. Um, By the way, I was just kind of stumbling around. Remember, please, please like, subscribe, review, rate, subscribe, review. Subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars. Give us four. Give us what you think we deserve, but let us know how we're doing. And please subscribe to this podcast. And until next week, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote Chris Cornell, I'm going to break my rusty cage and run.